<laughs> Matthew chapter six. <laughs> Speaking of prayer, we've been in the Lord's prayer, and uh, right now it does seem like his will is that Tom Brady win Super Bowls, and it's part of it, but we're in the uh, third part, uh, or fourth part of this series, actually. This is probably one of the longest series I've ever done in my life, and uh, I have to I have to finish it, and I'm, I'm really excited about today. Matthew chapter six, uh, verse nine is where we're gonna start. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, amen. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for this time together. Believing over these next few moments, God, you're gonna speak clearly to us about this day, our daily bread. Thank you for the opportunity to get together in your house with your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. When I came in this morning, one of the first thoughts as I was walking into the sanctuary is, where am I gonna put my Bible? Or my iPad? I don't bring an actual Bible, leather-bound Bible anymore. I bring this iPad and because of the chairs, you know? And then I thought of the movie theater, and I thought when uh, Oliver was little, how he would sit in the theater seats, and he wasn't heavy enough to keep it down, and it would flip up. And as a pastor, I'm thinking of like lawsuits after the service from parents' kids getting trapped in the seats, like <laughs> can't even enjoy the new seats without all those concerns. Uh, but um, hopefully your kids are uh, uh, not getting stuck, or they're in class, and uh, but these are pretty light. I actually stuck my iPad on the end of the seat and it stayed down. That's pretty cool. Are you enjoying the room, the extra room in worship? That was pretty cool, wasn't it? Pretty cool. Today I wanna to talk to you about our daily bread, our daily bread. Matthew 6, 9 is uh, the Lord's Prayer. And what this is, is for us, this is a pattern for how God wants us to pray. We don't have to pray these specific words when we pray. But this is the pattern in which God wants us to pray. He wants us to recognize that uh, we have a Father who is in heaven above all else. First priority when we pray is that we recognize that we have a Father who is in heaven. Aren't you thankful that God is seated high above all the earth? That he has a perspective on your issues and your problems that nobody else has because he sits above your problems. And in heaven, that means he has heaven's resources and he is not, uh, he is not limited to the resources of earth. Aren't you thankful that God has heaven's resources? That even in an economy that might not be going your way, that God's resources supersede and override even that economy. And he can take care of you in the middle of a desert if he has to. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit today. So our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We talked about how God's name is holy. And really, if we want God's activity in our life, we have to truly not just see him as a loving Father, but a holy God who is righteous, who, who, who deserves to be honored, who deserves to be, uh, like, he, like he said to Moses, he said, hey, I want you to take your shoes off for the ground that you stand on is holy Ground. There should be a, a holy reverence. The Bible uses this word fear, but it doesn't want you to mistake it from like this cowering in a corner. It's this fear, it's this awesome reverence of who God 
is. Because how many of you know I don't have to run and hide from God when I'm in my problems and when I've got issues. I can run to God and in his holy of holy place. I'm not welcome there because of my goodness anyway. I'm there, I'm there because of the goodness of Jesus Christ who was willing to die on the cross for me. So our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We talked about his kingdom and his will last week. And today I wanna talk to you about give us this day our daily bread. First of all, I've got 23 minutes and um, I have to do a better job of, of getting you guys out, especially this service on time because the second service trying to get in is a madhouse. So, so um, uh, pray for me. I got 23 minutes and I have a lot of information. So this might be more of a, a teaching today than me just preaching because I have a lot of information I wanna get to you. So give us, this, when we say give us, I wanna, I wanna say to you we're saying three things basically. This is a declaration. When we say give us, it's a declaration of three things. First of all, dependence. It's a declaration of dependence. It's me saying, I don't have it, but you do. I don't have it, but you do. So today, I'm depending on you to give me what I need because I don't have it, you have it. And do you know something that's so awesome about this declaration of dependence is that a request to God is actually a praise to God. One time somebody told me, they, they said, hey listen, when you go to God don't, don't, God, don't, don't, get, don't get caught up in telling God all the stuff you need. And I said, why is that? Because you, you don't wanna bother God with those little things. And I said, no, 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 that's not what scripture teaches me. Scripture teaches me that when I'm in trouble, I run to him and get what I need. When I have a need in my life, I ask him. When I need the peace of God, the Bible tells me that I should make all of my requests known to God and then the peace of God will guard my heart and my mind. So I make my request to God because in making a request, I'm actually praising God because I'm saying, I don't have it, you do. It's actually a praise. It's me saying, you're bigger than me and you have what I need. It's actually me worshiping him and declaring who he is. He is my provider. I don't have it, but you do. Is there anybody in this room today who said, God, I don't have it, but I know you do. You just praised him and he loves that. So it's a declaration of dependence. Because I wouldn't ask you if I didn't believe that you had it. My kids don't ask me for stuff they know I can't get. My kids have never come to me and said, Dad, will you get me the moon for Christmas? They know I don't have access to the moon. But they'll come ask me for shoes and clothes and a PlayStation. Why? Because they know that I can get that. They don't ask me for something. They don't, they don't believe I can get for them. And in the asking is a declaration of praise. It's actually us honoring God and asking him. Come on, somebody. That's, a, that's good news for us because some of us feel like, I shouldn't ask God for that. No, if, if you ask him for it, it, it means you believe he has it and has the resources to get it. Is there anything too difficult for God? Nothing too difficult for God. So ask him. It's actually a praise. The second thing we're doing is we're, we're, we're declaring our contentment. Give us. Um, First Timothy with, with what we have. First Timothy 6, six through eight says, now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of this world. So it's a declaration that God, I need you, you have what I need. But it's also us saying, God, it's, it's, a, it's a gratitude and a gratefulness for what I do have, it's a contentment. And thirdly, it's, it's a compassionate, it's a statement of compassion. 
Watch this. When Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Notice he, he didn't say, My Father who is in heaven. He says, Our Father. Because when we pray, we shouldn't have a mindset that this is all about me. When we pray, prayer is truly me not just lifting up my needs. When we really enter into true prayer, it's an hour thing. God, this, you, you being my provider, it's not just about me. It's about everybody connected to me. Because when you provide for me, I'm not just interested in taking care of me. My heart is to take care of other people as well. So when I say give us, I'm declaring my dependence. I'm saying, God, I'm content. And I'm saying, God, I care about others. Give us this day, our daily bread. This isn't just about me. So give us, and then the second part of it, this day. Give us this day. There is a need to stay connected to God daily. Daily. Uh, you can't live in this world daily and go through what you go through daily and not stay connected to God daily. If you think that coming to church on Sunday morning is the only connect you need with God, you are mistaken and you will fall flat on your face. You need him daily. I've told you this story before about my dad and when we were younger, we went on vacations together as a family and every time we went on vacation, I saw my dad, even in the mornings where we were going to play golf, he would wake up earlier than we went to play golf and he was at the table and he was doing his devotion, he was reading his Bible. And, and, and as I got older, I thought, well, maybe my dad doesn't do that as much anymore. So we're all married now and we actually go on a vacation with dad and the kids are getting up at 6 a.m. and I'm thinking, man, I'm actually probably even gonna beat my dad up this morning. And so I wake up and I walk out and no, he's there sitting at the table reading his Bible and doing his daily devotion. I said, Dad, you're on vacation. He said, son, I can't take a vacation from this. You don't understand, I need him daily. And I thought, I thought, I thought, don't, maybe, I thought maybe you matured to the point where like you didn't, like when you grow up, like as I get older, like I move out of the house and I don't need my parents as much, right? But God isn't like, he isn't like, that's not how our relationship with him goes. Actually, the older we get, the more we need him. Because now we have come to depend on him so much that I can't live without him. And I don't know what my life would look like if he wasn't involved in every single day of my life. Maybe it's that you, you, you live so many days without him and then you realize how much different it is with him than it is without him. And so you've made up your mind, I don't want my life to look like another day without him ever again. And so I, I've, I've made it a daily commitment. It's got to be daily. Why, why is it so important that it's, it's daily? Because God's priority in providing for us is to give us himself. Above all of the things that God wants to give us, he wants to give us himself. This is what the Bible says here in, in John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. God's priority in providing for us is to give us himself. You need to eat every day. You need to drink water every day. 
You need provision for every day. And just like you need money to pay for the things that you need every day, you need the source of all of those things in your life every day. And to stay connected with him is to grow in relationship with him. And when I grow in relationship with him, watch this, the overflow of relationship is trust. And when I trust him more, I wanna give you four things that are a part, more a part of my life on a daily basis. Watch this, these are four things that are the overflow of relationship. The first one is this, availability. When I'm in relationship with God, I trust him more, and because I trust him more, I make myself more available to him. And when I make myself more available to him, I'm, I'm making sure that every aspect and every part of my life is his will. Because if I'm not available to God and I'm doing my own thing, then whose will am I accomplishing? My own. But as I trust him, I make myself more available to his plan, his kingdom, his purpose in my life. And I'm saying, God, I can't do this without you today. And so on a, on a random day, June 15th, I am in the will of God. It's not like, see, everybody thinks that the will of God is this destination we're headed towards. And God's will is actually something that we walk out every day of our life. And we end up in destinations because we walked out his will on those random days when we didn't feel like doing what he told us to do, but we end up in the promised land because we follow his will on a daily basis. I can't, I can't, use, I can't use God like, like an emergency button that I push and expect to walk in his will daily for my life. So it's a daily interaction. It increases trust, so there's, there's more availability. It, there's more submission, because I can't submit my life to someone I don't trust. I can't do it. I, just, I, I couldn't go to a church where I didn't trust the pastor or the leadership. Couldn't do it. Why? Because, because when I don't trust you, I can't, I can't do what you're asking me to do. When I don't trust you, your words have no weight in my life. When I don't have confidence in you, then you could, say, you could talk to me straight out of a book that is factual, and I would wonder, are you telling me the truth? Trust increases submission. Because submission sounds really good until we are asked to do something we don't wanna do. And a lot of people are like, I'm submitted to God until God asks you to do something you don't want him to do. And if you don't trust him, you won't do it when you don't understand what he's asking you to do. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So James chapter four, verse seven says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. John chapter five and verse 30, watch what Jesus says. He says, I can do nothing of my own initiative, as I hear I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. What if we live that way? I can't do anything out of my own initiative. You're like, ah, oh, that's impossible. Jesus had to live that way. If Jesus had to live that way, how much more do you think you and I need to live that way? I can't do anything out of my own initiative. My ambitions are gonna mess my life up. People are telling me all the time, follow your heart. No, I'm not following my heart. The Bible tells me that the heart is wicked above all things. I'm not gonna listen to my heart. I'm gonna listen to his word. I'm not gonna be guided by my feelings. I'm gonna be guided by his word. I don't want anything in my life to be of my own initiative. That's what Jesus is saying. It increases submission. It increases sensitivity. My ability to be led by the Spirit. When I, when, I, when I trust God more, then I believe 
Listen, a lot of people ask me all the time, how do I know it's God and how do, I, how do I know it's not God? Can I tell you that if you are in daily relationship with him, that won't be a question you ask. It, it just won't. You'll, you'll know him because you begin to trust him and you'll begin to trust his voice because he said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. If you're not in a relationship with him daily, things are gonna come into your head, thoughts are gonna come, ideas are gonna come, and you're gonna wonder if they're God. Why? Because you don't know his voice. You don't have to ask, is that God or not, when you know it's his voice. Nobody can mimic the voice of God. Nobody, nobody can pretend to be God in your life. Nobody has a voice like God's. Nobody's voice sounds like God. There, there were some voices, you, you know this even for your own life, there are people in your life that you know their voice out of all other voices. Like there are just some people who, when they open their mouth, you, you know it's them. Like you know this even about your little kid that you've had in your house for just a few years. When they cry, you're like, that's my kid screaming downstairs in the basement at the family get together. You, you know that that's your kid because you recognize voices. You recognize them. Like, like, do, do you, when, I, when I was growing up, I, 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 I knew that it was Yogi Bear because it was, hey, boo-boo. Like, I just, I knew, and from another room, I could tell you that's Yogi Bear because I know that voice. And this is the thing about daily relationship with God. You get to know his voice. You, you start to hear him better. And you're not asking these questions. Is this God's will? Am I supposed to do this? No, because you know his voice and a stranger's voice you will not follow. Not only do you know his voice, you know what isn't his voice. And you look at people who say, you should do this, and you should, no, that ain't God. That ain't what God's speaking in my life. I don't care who said it. If God didn't say it, then I'm not doing it. So availability, submission, sensitivity, discernment. This is the ability to think biblically about every area of your life. Hebrews 5 and 14 said, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have had their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. It looks as if God is telling us through scripture that the only way to really live this Christian life is daily practice. I can't do it any other way. I can't do it three out of five days of the week. I can't do it on Wednesday and Sunday only. I can't do it like that. I can't, I can't do it in, in a Bible study and then ignore God for three days and think that I'm, I'm gonna be able to do this. I won't have discernment. I won't be available. There won't be any sensitivity to the will and plan of God in my life and I will not submit to the voice of God because I don't trust when I'm not close. Ephesians 1, 16, the apostle said this way. He said, I have not stopped thanking God for you and I pray constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Watch this, it's wisdom to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. I need you to understand that, that wisdom isn't just going to school and getting an education. I think that's important. But true wisdom is saying, I need to grow in the Lord. You say, I'm smart, but if you're not growing in God, you're not truly smart. Because real wisdom says, I need to grow in my knowledge of God. And as I grow in my knowledge of God, I will abound in every good thing. So watch this, give us this day, this day, this day. You know, you know what, there's a strategy for today. You, you might be living off yesterday's 
strategy and wondering why today isn't working. You might be saying, well, well I, God told me to do this. And then you said, okay, that was good enough. And you ignore God, but God tried to three weeks ago get you to move in a new direction, but because you only go to him when you get desperate enough, now you're desperate and you're like, and God's saying, hey, I gave you a strategy three weeks ago for this issue that you're facing today. And you wouldn't be in this if you'd seek me daily because I actually was presenting a new strategy for you. In 1 Kings 17, the prophet Elijah, he says, hey, listen, this has dried up. This way of my provision has dried up and I need you to go to a widow's house. She's in the middle of a famine and she has nothing. But that's where I have provided for you. That's where your provision is. How many of us are missing out on God's strategies for our provision? Because we won't talk to him daily. And we're getting mad because the brook dried up. And he says, stop whining over the dried up brook. Talk to me so I can give you the new strategy. Watch, strategy that God gives us doesn't always look like what we thought it was gonna look like. How many of us would think God's gonna provide for me by sending me into a famine to a poor woman who has nothing? Some of us think when God speaks about our provision that that means we're getting a promotion. Sometimes provision looks like a demotion. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you thought, man, I lost that job and you thought it was gonna be the end of your life. But it was actually God opening up. He was drying up that brook so that he could bring a brand new revelation into your life. There are men in this church who have lost jobs, 30-year jobs, and God has brought new strategy, and now they have become parts of different businesses, started their own business, and if they would have kept that job, they would have had a nice life, but because they took the thing that God was speaking to them, now they are flourishing in this season of their life. So what if God, what if God is sending you to a wilderness, <laughs> to a famine, to a poor woman who has nothing? And that's the source of your provision. But you're looking for these, these, these gigantic opportunities. And maybe the opportunity is somebody who looks like they have nothing and that partnership. But you won't know that if you don't hear the voice of God. You gotta be able to hear. You gotta listen. How do I do it? Well, just daily fellowship. And it, guess what? It gets better every day. Like the song we sang, we go from glory to glory to glory, from strength to strength. It gets better every day. If you have a bad relationship with God today, can I tell you that if you start today, it'll be better tomorrow? And if you're, if you're there and you show up tomorrow, it'll be better the next day? It gets sweeter and sweeter as the day goes by. You get to know him more. It's, it's, just, it's just how it works. Now watch, so he says, give us this day our daily bread. Bread, bread is literally, literally, Jesus isn't just talking about like actual bread. He is, but that's not everything that this word encompasses. To them, bread would mean provision. It would be the same thing as us saying money. Give us this day our daily income. Like it would, it's the provision. Bread uh, spoke of just provision, what they needed to make it through that day. That's literally what God is saying. But I wanna show you a a few different places that I believe your provision is coming from that you probably don't recognize. You're probably overlooking. 
All right, here we go, and we'll close right here. I believe that your struggle is your provision. Uh, Philippians 4, 11 through 12 says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be con content. I know, how to, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. You don't know how to handle hunger until you're hungry. The struggle is your provision. You, can, I, can I say this to you? And I don't wanna be, I don't want this to sound condescending at all. You really truly don't know how to handle money until you don't have any money. That's why it's so dangerous for you to just give everything to your kids as they're growing up and not make them work for it. Because you truly don't know how to handle it until you don't have it and you have to work for it. It's like people who win the lottery, most of them end up bankrupt, why? Because they've never handled that much money before. They don't know how to deal with it. But if they were to win again, I guarantee you they'd do things differently the second time around. Why, because the struggle is my provision. <laughs> when they were in the wilderness, oh my gosh, watch this. When they were in the wilderness, this is something amazing that God does. He's taking them to a land that's overflowing with milk and honey. It has all of the resources they need. But in the meantime, they are in the desert. They don't have access to a Starbucks. There's not a mall close by. There's not a target they can make a run to. They are in the middle of nowhere. And God is teaching them in the middle of nowhere to appreciate what they have so that when they get to the place of abundance, they won't abuse and mistreat the place that God has taken them into. And so for 40 years, the Bible teaches us that he didn't give them new clothes and he didn't give them new shoes. He just kept putting new tread on the old shoes and making sure their old clothes stayed together. I just want you to understand that there are seasons of your life where it looks like God isn't giving you anything new, but that doesn't mean he isn't providing for you. He's, he's doing this thing called sustaining you. He is keeping you. And so the same God who gave you the new car is the same God who kept the old one running. Because anybody, does anybody know what I'm talking about? The same God who gave you the new house is the one who kept the lights on in the one-bedroom apartment on the top of that grocery store. If you know what I'm talking about, somebody say amen. So you, you, you just know that when, when you had nothing, it was the same God that was keeping your clothes together as the God who took you into the promised land. So don't act like now that you got into the promised land that it wasn't the same God that was taking care of you in the wilderness. He was the same God. And guess what? He was being just as good to you in the wilderness as he was in the promise. I wonder if there's anybody maybe in a wilderness right now who wants to just stand on your feet and say, God, thank you for keeping tread on my shoes and thank you for holding my clothes together and thank you for starting my car when it wasn't supposed to start and thank you for letting me stay in my apartment when they were going to kick me out. Thank you for keeping me in the middle of a desert. Stay on your feet if you would. I'm going to close right here. The struggle is my provision. When I couldn't afford new shoes, God was guiding my steps. <laughs> when I couldn't buy a new car, God was holding mine together. And some duct tape. The struggle is my provision. The threshing is my provision. 
The threshing floor is a place in scripture where we find out it's, it's, we don't think a lot about how bread was made nowadays because we just go to the grocery store and there it is on the counter. But the threshing floor was so important because the threshing floor was where they took the wheat and they would put it on a piece of, uh, of solid uh, ground and then the, the oxen would walk on it. And when they walked on it, it would, it would uh, press on the wheat, crush it, and it would separate the grain from uh, the chaff, right? And then they would come along with a winnowing fork and they would take this fork and they would throw it up into the air and the chaff would get blown away by the wind, but what, was, what could produce something edible for you stayed. Can I tell you that the threshing is your provision? When you're going through a place in your life that seems like you're being crushed, what God is doing is he's actually taking out the stuff that isn't gonna produce anything edible in your life. He's removing the stuff and sometimes the people and he, and he, and he throws it up in, into the wind and, and what you don't need gets taken away and what you do need stays. I, I don't know if there's anybody in this room grateful for the threshing, but the threshing is my provision. It doesn't feel like it in the, in the moment. It doesn't feel like it at the time, but it's the thing that's taking out everything in my life that's not gonna produce anything edible. And it's, it's a season you must go through. The threshing is my provision. And one more thing, the fight is my provision. The fight is my provision. Numbers 14 and nine, watch this. The, the, the Bible is, is, there's this incredible scene happening in the Bible. Uh, they, they've gone out and spied the promised land out to see what it looks like. And the, the 12 spies return and, and 10 of them have a negative report and two of them have positive report. And it's, it's Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb is trying to get the people to settle down because they're freaking out because of all of the giants in the land. And they're like, we can't do this. We can't. Watch what Caleb says about the fight in front of them. He says this in Numbers 14 and nine. He says, don't rebel against God, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defenses departed from them and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. See, watch this. The thing on the other side of the thing standing in front of what you believe is God's promise for your life that thing on the other side is not really your provision. The thing standing in its way is your provision. So you can't avoid the fight and get into the promise because you'll misuse the promise if you don't go through the fight. The fight is the door. And, and, if the, in, and, and in, in David's case with Goliath, if the door is that big, then how big is that house? You gotta be willing to go through the door no matter how big the door is because the door is actually an indicator of how big the provision is gonna be. You're like, Robbie, you don't understand. My fight is crazy. Oh man, that's good news. That means your provision is going to be massive. That means the thing God is getting ready to do in your life is huge. The bigger the fight, the bigger the, the, bigger the blessing. The bigger the struggle, the greater the revelation. I'm just telling you today, the fight is your provision. Watch this in, in, in Joshua chapter 14, verse 11. Caleb is now way old. He's 80 plus years old. 40 years he's been waiting to take this land that he's been promised. And during this 40 years, he's been fighting like crazy. 
And you would think this old man would be tired of fighting. Like the, the fight wore me out. So, so finally they get to the promise and, and, and Joshua says, hey, that, that's your mountain. You sure you still want it? There's giants up there. He said, man, the same fire that was in me 40 years ago is in me today. I'm gonna go take that land. I don't care who's occupying that land. It belongs to me. Why? The fight didn't make him weak. The fight actually made him strong. What you're going through isn't weakening you. It's strengthening you. He was, he was ready. He was as ready to go as he had ever been in his life. Why? Because he had fought his whole life. The fight didn't make him weak. The fight made him strong. Give us this day our daily bread. How many of you want that in your life? Let's say that together. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for daily bread, for provision that comes from you that is daily, not weekly, not monthly. Thank you for the things that you do on a monthly basis, a weekly basis, but God, I thank you that you want to be our provision every day. We give you glory and honor for it. We worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen.